and talking to our friends. Hellboy Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. And I'm Matt Strackbine. Hey, how's it going, Matt? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Doing awesome. We haven't been talking for seven minutes already. <laughs> yeah, or, or texting earlier today right. or any of that stuff. <laughs> If you've been enjoying the show, you know everything that we do is for free. We spend a lot of time working on the show, and tonight we're working late into the night on a Friday evening. So you've The been first en- nice day of fall, I which know, might really. as well be the first day of fall. So if you've been enjoying it, give us a review, like us on social media, follow us, and comment on our post. That's how you become part of the book club. Tell them all about it, Danielle. What what you do is we're going to read a story, and then you're going to read it also, and then we talk about it. And then you think about it, talk about it with us, and you send us a hey, you damn guys. And we look at that and say, hey, damn guys, and we talk about that. And then we read another story. We tell you we tell you what we're going to read, and then you read that, and then it, we friendship. Awesome. And it's a book club. <laughs> Man, I have That's made so many friends from this show, yeah, including Matt. Absolutely. Including, yeah. including Matt, yeah. yeah. So I also want to give a shout out to Craig McKnight over at Mike Mignola's Art on Facebook. Craig McKnight! That raffle is going to be coming up really soon. Book club member. And so <laughs> last year you remember... Some of the prizes included original art from Mignolaverse artists, as well as a ton of great books, comics. You're going to want to check out that page on Facebook and watch out for the raffle. It's going to be really great. People uh, really donate. If you just consider it in hours of labor, Oh yeah, it's quite a bit. Yeah, and I'm glad you actually mentioned that. So the raffle, the proceeds go towards cancer research. Right. You know, our book club member from way back in the beginning, Case Lodgerwai, you know, he passed away. He actually passed away on Wednesday will be when he passed away. So uh, a lot of this raffle is to benefit towards that towards our lost book club member in his memory so yeah it's going to be really great and so it all goes towards a good cause and you could get some really awesome stuff out of it yeah cool and over the next uh, week or two we might have some shorter episodes so i did want to say that we might be behind on the listener feedback a little bit too but you'll get an episode every week and it'll be all good and now we're going to go on to our listener feedback you read a story we talk about it. You hate them guys us. And it's a book club. Get out. We got a Hey You Damn Guys from Brian Levy. Hey. What's up? And we actually got two Hey You Damn Guyses from him, oh, but okay. I forgot cool. to read one last week, so I'm just going to read both of them. Double book club member. <laughs> Remember, he got a job at a library. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I've got some interesting little tidbits from the library world for you all. Awesome. So I was talking with a branch manager today about public programming that appeals to more than just senior citizens and toddlers, and I brought up... Your podcast and how it seems to be pretty successful in bringing a bunch of fairly youngish people together over a shared love of books. And this library manager thought it was the coolest thing. She suggested I set up something like that at the library I'm working at. Hey, fun. I don't know if it would get that specific and if we would probably end up starting out with a more general comics reading club thing. But isn't that cool? Yeah. Your guys' podcast is making librarians get all excited. Library book club. For sure. That sounds great. With comics. Absolutely. He said, I'm reaching out to check that if I did end up starting a sort of Hellboy book club directly inspired by the podcast out of my library, that it would be cool with you. Oh, hell yeah. Of course. Please. That, would, that of course. would be so awesome. Spread the That's book club all awesome. over the world, like Fight Club yeah. or whatever. Everybody. Well, no, not like Fight Club. <laughs> Fight Club. Because we for... want you to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, we're not D-bags. <laughs> Yeah, the first rule of book club is to talk about book club. Yeah. Right, there you go. <laughs> and the second rule of book club is be fucking nice to each other. Yeah. So. yeah. And the third right. rule is talk about book club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, so that's awesome. Super good. And um, he also said in his next message, as far as pickles go... The Jewisher, the better. There's nothing like a classic <laughs> delicatessen kosher pickle. All right, yeah. Man, oh man, you I pair that fucker like with a nice good. hot pastrami mm. on rye with a side of coleslaw and a cream soda, and it's like my bar mitzvah all over again. Kosher mm. pickles nice. are so simple. The platonic idea of a pickle. Perfect. Aww. He also said, um, second, I have my Edward Gray casting, and it's weird, but I think it's good. 
I think Alfie Allen, who's Theon Greyjoy from Game of Thrones, would make an interesting Mm. young Ed. He doesn't look much like the illustrations of him, but I think he could play the grumpiness and the devoutly religious aspects of Sir Edward, in addition to having just a really interesting face and good acting ability. You know they would just cast Kit Kat. No, no, he's, he's gone on to Marvel movies. (laughs) <laughs> oh really didn't he do like a detective thing though he was like a old-timey detective victorian did he do that coat detective man show i, I didn't watch that. it i just saw like you know you scroll through and you're looking for some shit to have oh, on yeah. the background and you see like the <laughs> preview image it's like him and sounds, a sounds, ruffly coat or some shit that sounds uh, it was uh, right. the uh fifth of november guy right i don't know oh, oh the whole uh guy fox guy or fox. i didn't yeah. watch yeah, it i don't it know but yeah it's uh, he was in some shit like that wasn't he so he would make a good already like sure. thing, but he was probably he probably wouldn't want to be typecast as that type of dude anyway. So and he also said, um, I think the elder gray, the floating naked guy who hangs out with fairies and acts as Hellboy's therapist, is Willem Dafoe. He's got such a great voice, <laughs> nice, so calming yet commanding at the same time while also being really scary and slightly strange. And honestly, think about Willem Dafoe's voice, yeah, slightly muffled behind that mask, telling Hellboy that people are a lot like houses. He'd never do it, but if he did, it would rule the world. Look, any excuse to cast Willem Dafoe in anything, I'm down <laughs> yeah, that, for that. <laughs> I would bet that he would be willing to do it. He would totally do it. I mean, his, his uh, portrayal of Green Goblin in the first Spider-Man movie was fucking He doesn't great. give a fuck. Yeah, you he'll know? do it. But wouldn't he have like an English accent? Could he do an English accent? He has Willem Dafoe. He's an incredible actor. Could he do that? I'm sure he could. Sure. Probably has. You know, if Keanu Reeves is willing to go for it, (laughs) I say, I think Willem Dafoe could probably pull it off. Ah, so thanks for the feedback, Brian. We love hearing from you. We had some listener feedback on Ape Sapien Lost Lives. Remember that story? That was a story from way back that we read. You know, but in terms of the... You know I don't remember things. Okay, so in terms of the Abe Sapien stories, though, it would have been recent. Okay, so Lost Lives was this one. It was painted by Juan Ferreira. That's the one with Roger, right? Roger was in it, and this monster, like, took over Vaughn in a lab. Abe was still Mm -hmm. in the sweater. Oh, okay. Sweater Abe, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, anyway. I love that artist, by the way. I don't don't remember what happened yesterday, so that's... amazing. Well, he said that in our last story, when Abe is underwater with those ghosts, and they're telling him, not like us, but not better, not a ghost, you're nothing. He said that that's what Agent Vaughn says when he's freed by the by the Ogdraham monster. It's a very rude thing so to he's say like, to a uh, person. When it was taking over his mind, he was like, it's like I was nothing, or something like that. Okay, so, oh, right okay. on. He also said, in Lost Lives, there's a part where Vaughn is trying to tell Abe that he idolizes him. But Abe is too lost in his own bullshit. He doesn't even recognize it. And then now, that knowing that Gustav Strobel was controlling Vaughn, after he was the one that was looking for Abe, it makes that situation more fucked up. Because mm-hmm. Vaughn liked Abe. Right. And then Nicholas was also saying, like, maybe Vaughn even volunteered to be the one to go look for him. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And now he's being, and now Vaughn is being used by Strobel to uh-huh. find Abe. Wow. So it's yeah, kind of like, that's a weird, yeah. that's a weird relationship. We had some feedback on Witchfinder, The Mysteries of Unland. Nathaniel Green said, I love this series. What a great ending. And some of the best art. I have it on good authority. Tyler Crook fucking told me he would love to do more Witchfinder. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. yeah. So that would be cool. so That's awesome. That's my shit. That's cool. Yeah. And I, th- and I thought another thing that was cool. So I think he met Tyler Crook on Hellboy Day. And so he even took that story that we read last week. Remember, it had a little part that was by Tyler Crook in the middle. Yeah. And he had Tyler Crook mm-hmm. just sign that page. Oh, that that's it was, awesome. That it had the little art on. So, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Janiklas said... Janiklas. I knew Danielle would say stuff about swamps being useful. <laughs> they are. <laughs> They're an ecosystem. And she's right, but it's a swamp. Swamps hate humans even more than woods. That's fine. <laughs> then don't go in there. He says, I know. I live near one. Ah. We have built a whole genre around woods wanting to kill you. We call them fairy tales. Yeah. No human should ever live near swamps. Mysteries of Unland shows us well, why. I mean, we live in Houston. <laughs> I thought that was great. We live in Houston, so it's kind of hard to avoid. Also, my entire family's from Lake Charles, so it's like, sure. I'm just whatever about We're it. We're kind of all in the swamp yeah. here together. Yeah. Yeah. We're fine. Oh, we're in the drain swamp here. Yeah, there you go. We had some feedback on Shadow over Swanee. 
Ryan Yule said, at one point I saved the original art scans for these three pages. So here they are. And so he shared those art scans to those um, pages that they made it look like Mignola style. Yeah, those were very nice. And he said, no, I don't own any of the pages. I had a chance to buy them, but I passed at the time. And since they've been sold, now I regret it. Aww. Aww. <laughs> that was I, a- I like that he said that like he knew we were going to ask. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And uh, was it very when you said very nice? That was a, what was that? Oh, uh, very nice. That I don't was some, that's something. <laughs> I watched a lot of movies and TVs. Sure, I didn't. I know Who it's knows? from there. I know yeah. it's from there. <laughs> <laughs> and I also want to thank Ryan for giving me that teaser image. I was looking for that teaser image. Did you see that? That was the thing that we saw in the comic. It had Abe with all the frogs. Oh, right, and right. It said, yeah, the impossible will happen. Yeah, and it was like, Ugh, like I hated that. Yeah, see, like, like when you look at it, it's just the cover and there's no text on it. It's like, right. okay, that's a little messed up. But then seeing that, I could see why you would be all like, no, nothing, right? Not yeah. my babe. They're drawing this out, which makes it painful. Yeah, and so CLA Comic Book Binder on Twitter said, "I remember that ad, and looking back, I think it overpromised. I don't think the impossible happened. Whoa. Yeah, because it was." Well, because in that issue, he doesn't really get, he inhales the smoke and he has a hallucination, but he doesn't really like become like a frog, like the way it looks on that cover, you know? I just figured that's just marketing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One of those classic misleading. Sure. Mm -hmm. I love that. Like when they show all the X-Men dead on the cover. Right. Yeah. I was going to say something like, like, you know, that it's good shit. Yeah. You know, like uh, from the 50s where Superman does something stupid on the, or assholey on the cover. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun shit. I mean, those are some, some iconic covers, though. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you've got oh, the, yeah. oh, like the one with like Wolverine and Kitty with all the posters oh, of yeah. the X-Men yeah, and stuff. Like one. Days of Future Days Past, exactly. And so it's like, you know, those become pretty, or like they're all laying in a heap of bodies or some shit. Like, yeah. you know. Follow mutants. Yeah, of course it doesn't <laughs> happen, but like. That that's very reminiscent of like you're you're trolling the racks for covers and you're trying to look like I right, that's yeah. me. Oh, yeah. That's how I pick out wine too. Like I'm just like, oh, is this is got a bird on it? I'm gonna bring it home. You know? Like I you know, I look at the cover but then sometimes you open it and you're like, I don't know, what is this? So yeah. who knows? But I don't know where I was going with that. Back to you, well, John. I can't, I, I can't tell you how many covers I bought in my youth because Manola was on there. Yeah, absolutely. Just for the cover. I mean, yeah, we do that. John, yeah. John does I totally that. Like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, I'm not even going to read this. Don't say I know that feeling. Seriously. Like an X Factor book or something that I'm right. never going to read. Sure. And... Right, right. Yeah. That's the whole point, though. They get these cover artists. They're like, yeah. ah, we're going to draw them in. Yeah. We got Mike Mignola doing the cover. He never does covers. Here he is. And yeah, so... yeah. That's I like that. I will say cool. there's a series called Bitterroot, and okay. the only reason that I read it was because it had a Mignola variant cover, Tight. and it's really good. Hey. And then I actually read that what's his name who directed Black Panther? Yeah, okay, yeah. He's gonna do it. They're gonna make this into oh, like nice. a movie now, That's or something, cool. or like a Ryan, TV show, or something. Ryan what is his yeah, name? Uh, Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler. <laughs> Jason Avedon said. Matt was saying that the Mona egg was an Ogdraham, but I think that Mona and the one that became Abe are the last of another species from Hyperborea times that lived in the sea. I don't see them connected to the Ogdraham at all. Huh. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so... And then so what, they're a hem. Right. That's that's it. <laughs> right. Well and, well, and I guess also, <laughs> if you want to be technical about it, like I think... The other ones had like a hyphen between the hem and the rest of it, and that one didn't. So I don't know if that makes mm. a difference. Or okay, it's a lesser it's, hem. It's a lesser hem. <laughs> I love that. So it's been a few weeks. Why'd they call it Mona? Oh, yeah. I didn't even Did think about even... that. Wasn't uh, I, can't, I can't even remember. If we, I got to go back and listen to it again. Wasn't the mom on Who's the Boss named Mona? <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe there, but, but maybe there is some significance to that name. I'll have to research that. We give up. Moving on. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with the who's the boss theory. There you go. 
Good one. So I had made a post about Abe, how he's always seen dead people, and I made like a compilation of all the different times that he's seen oh, dead people. Oh, did you go back and do that? Yeah, especially people related to water. Because I was like, like hey, this happens kind of yeah. a fucking lot, but I never really bothered to actually go back and count how many times it happened. What did you come up with here? So I saw I saw that last issue that we did. Right. I saw Drums of the Dead. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's I brought that up. Um, there was Abe Sapien the Drowning, okay. where he talked to that witch. Remember, she was dead, but yeah. her ghost talked to him, and she was able to do her witch magic through him and then there was also they that go down to the sea in ships right. where he was talking to that guy and then when that guy pulled his hood off he was the dead pirate okay yeah okay. and there was was there anything else those were the four yeah. that i found was there another one that well, i missed there's that decapitated head yeah we're actually going to see that in this story so that's a that's another one then hey book club members all the listener people who are listening? Send us a hey damn guys if there's more of those that we're not thinking about. Yeah. And talking about. Mountain Vision on Instagram said, makes sense for a guy with multiple lives. And Taylor Dodderman said, Hellboy sees ghosts quite often as well. But I think that didn't start until after he died in the island. Mothlomi brought him back. That's an interesting Then he started, he started like living with ghosts and stuff like that, you know? Right. He was like leaning into it. Right. Yeah, and I feel hard. like that's just something like more natural for Hellboy and for Abe, more meaningful. Right. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It just happens so know. often. It's like, is it because of his whole... I'm part of a guy and part of a godfish. Right, Jellyfish egg. Well, that's what I think that guy Mountain Vision was saying. Like, he's had multiple lives. So I think maybe that Mm -hmm. maybe has something to do with it. Or he's been reincarnated like so many times. My wife is a ghost, but it's not really my wife. Right. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he also said... I might take a weekend project and go through every book looking for who sees ghosts and when. Sounds like a fun way to kill a Sunday afternoon. Nice. Oh, cool. Sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> so nice. please Great. please Get do that, Taylor. That, Let yeah. us know. Yeah. He also shared some sweet heat pickles that he was enjoying. I will never eat a sweet heat. I will yeah. never eat a sweet pickle. We're, we're not about the sweet pickles, but all power to you if you like yeah. the sweet pickle. Hey, if that's your thing, hey. that's great. I love you just the way you are. Brian Levy likes the kosher pickle. Good you know? for you, man. Yeah. So here's the thing. Is Do your I, thing. I, I don't like sweet pickles, but I would still try it. You know. Yeah, sure. Just sweet because, heat. Because, yeah. of, because of the heat part. Sure. I've tried them enough times to understand that that's just not, I can't. But they were like, um, they were not from a jar. They were like homemade or something. Right on. Yeah, so. I understand. I guess it's just like a, it's it's your own flavor profile in your palate. Flavor palate. Or whatever. I For whatever fucking reason, (laughs) those flavors that go into the sweet pickle of whatever type, I just can't handle it, I guess. I don't know what that is. People have different preferences. Mm -hmm. There you go. And that's fine, and we like that here at the Hellboy Book Club yes. Podcast Friendship Hours. All kind of pickle preferences <laughs> accepted. Accepted and, and enthusiastically accepted, and not just tolerated. Tolerance is for <laughs> the weak. We're enthusiastically loving you, as just as you are. Yes. We had some feedback on BPRD The Devil's Wings. Jen Niklas said... Jen Niklas, <laughs> book club member! Since you guys asked the question about what Professor Broom wanted for Hellboy, I now imagine him as this overprotective dad in a family home. He only wants what's best for him and sends Red to school. Mm. One with good money in it. <laughs> the other kids want to pick on Hellboy, but that fails because he's built like a brick house. And Red gets through all and the... And he's t- so chill. <laughs> yeah. Like, as soon as you... as soon, any, Anything that comes out of his mouth, you're like, oh, this, he's a cool guy. He's all right. Jen Niklas says he would play the guitar and love Edgar Allan Poe. Aww. <laughs> and he would write poems until the headmaster turns out to be Astaroth. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> See? Yeah, so I thought that was really good. <laughs> You've just described the first season of an anime, and I love it. Right. <laughs> oh, somebody, God, I think it was Nathaniel Green, he was like, help me, I want to make fan fiction. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> I completely approve. I was like, hey, fan fiction, do I've, your fan fiction. I read something somewhere online, it must have been a tweet, I don't know what it was, but somebody had said that fan fiction is just take back control of the myths that are now like corporate owned. Okay. Or whatever, which I totally approve of. Okay. Go yeah, for it, that's man. Interesting. Do your fanfic. I want to read it. Good job. Yeah. 
I encourage that, especially from him. Yeah, that sure, would be great. Yeah. great. <laughs> Jerry Turnbull said, definitely think Broom knew more about Hellboy's Jerry Destiny. Jerry Turnbull! Book club member. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what we were talking about midweek or something, Yeah, right? so, um, you know, he's... Uh, <laughs> he had a... Jerry Turnbull says... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. Book club member. No one should apologize for laughter. <laughs> that Malcolm Frost has been bumping his gums about Hellboy for years. Not to mention Vavara dropping cryptic hints. So, yeah, that was what uh, you thought of that probably as soon as we hung up, right, Matt? Yeah, and then, again, when I heard the episode, I was like, I'm just, and I think what I was saying was I'm just so invested in the story we're reading. And then not to mention the numerous, like, connecting threads to all the other books, but that was a real obvious one. Yeah, yeah. I love Vavara. I was like, yeah, facepalm. I I mean, because Frost especially. Right Hand of Doom. Where he talks to the sun and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, you totally messed that up, Matt. I know. I ruined it. Ruined. I love Vivara. I love that character. Yeah. This is just a random comment, but I just really like that character a lot. No, well, yeah. She also dropped some hints, too, like that she knew that there was more to Hellboy and stuff like that. And then I also mentioned um, Oda Benga. That guy, he also um, told Broom some stuff. Where did we land on her voice? Little girl voice with um, whenever she kind of shows hints of demon, it turns into like the demon guy voice. Oh, sure. Is that where we landed on that? Uh, Yeah, I think that that would be good. Yeah. So good. He also said, I think Mignola had Edward Gray's life mapped out from his very first appearance in Wake the Devil, number five. If not the fine detail, certainly the broad strokes. Sure. In his very first appearance, he was already in, in hell, in his hell creature recreated body. And then Jerry also sent, like, in the very first sketchbook, there's sketches of Edward Gray in the mask and the cloak. Mm-hmm. And it says, there's like a little note where Mignola says, I have big plans for this guy. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, nice. So It's always interesting to know yeah. what he knew when he knew it kind of a thing. Jason Abaddon said, I feel like The Devil's Wings makes a perfect Halloween story. If it was in a TV show, this would be a standalone episode where the power yeah. is out, maybe during a snowstorm. Ah, uh, yeah. I dig that. Yeah, and then when Kate gets possessed by the ghost, when that's destroyed, then all the power would come back on. Perfect. Yeah, that would be yeah, great. That, w- that would be great. I like how Odano is always shown as this sort of burden, but then here he saves everyone's ass, and it's almost like everyone is embarrassed about it. You know they will never mention that again. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and he does it so effortlessly, too. He just walks out and goes, blah, 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 blah. Right. It, they actually said he felt bad about it because he was the one that read the dog tags. And so then uh, inadvertently, like, he was the one that did it. So even though he ended it, too, apparently, like, they had to sedate him because he was, like, felt really guilty about it yeah i remember um, kate saying something about sedating him or something right yeah. and he also said regarding pickles or cucumbers on a sandwich it's all about the meat like roast beef needs more of a garlicky half sour or mm. cucumber while barbecue beef needs chopped sweet pickles mm. which i'd never eat normally but they rock with barbecue the sweeter the pickle goes with the hotter barbecue and bounce each other out. See, I'll eat a sour pickle with barbecue. I like that. Again, it comes down to your own palate. Okay, but what barbecue are we talking about? Because mm. Texas barbecue is different than Kansas barbecue. See, that is true. And then yeah. there's like, you know... You are right. People like on the East Coast think they can make barbecue, but Okay, but they're they're they wrong. cannot. Right. They are wrong. And yeah. Yeah. They should stop trying uh, to do that. Oh, man. <laughs> We're going to get feedback about that. I don't fucking care. He said, we also need an Abe Sapien pickle brand. One per jar and have the jar shaped like the tank they found Abe in. Oh. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. It's a pickled egg. Uh, what would that be? Itchio pickle or something like that? <laughs> That's awesome. Good one, Matt. He said, uh, maybe make it a home pickling kit. Add brine and garlic or whatever, plus one cucumber. I mean, people make microbrew beers. Can pickles be harder? Micro yeah. pickle beer. Yeah, or you could carve the cucumber to look like Abe and his little like, and then pickle it. That and sounds like a it. lot of work. <laughs> I'm not about that. Oh, Premium stuff. Somebody out there is about that. Yeah, make, um, look, make it look like Langdon Call, and then when it's done uh, pickling, <laughs> it'll look like Abe. I'm too busy for all that shit. 
Y'all figure that out and get back to me. All right. And now some things I forgot to talk about. So when I was editing the episode last week, I was so disappointed. That moment where they try and stop Kate from getting on the helicopter and she like bats him away or whatever. I say Liz instead of Kate. And so that really irritated me as I was editing. So anyway. You are banned from the book club. (laughs) Did you have something also, Matt? Yeah, I wanted to make a quick correction. And this is funny because it ties into a podcast episode I'm doing for my podcast, which is called Why Did You Tell Me That? Uh. And, And it's when people tell me things that and I just believe them. And then it turns out it was wrong. <laughs> so I'm like, why did you tell me that? So you remember when I came back from Portland and Rose City Comic Con, I said Chris Robertson's name is actually Chris Roberson. Okay. Because I, I said Robertson, and I'm not going to say who, but this person said, oh, you mean Roberson. And uh... I was like, oh, okay. So then on the podcast, I made sure we had the correct pronunciation, which I now know is wrong because oh. <laughs> because Nathaniel Green, book club member, book club uh, member, talked to the guy himself and got the actual pronunciation, which is just what we thought originally. Chris Robertson. Ah, uh, okay, Robertson. So anyway, thank you, you, Nathaniel. <laughs> Why did you tell me? That? And plug yeah. your podcast also, the Letter Hack Podcast. You can find it on Podbean and follow me on Twitter because I'm posting new episodes and also random episodes there. Awesome. Awesome. And your artwork on Twitter is pretty fun, too. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm glad you like that. Yeah. And now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. This week, we're talking about BPRD Hell on Earth, The Broken Equation. This is a two-part story published from August to September 2014 as BPRD 122 and 123, written by Mignola and Arcudi, illustrated by Joe Querio, colored by Dave Stewart, and letters by Clem Robbins. This artist did a Lobster Johnson issue or story in an issue of Dark Horse Presents. Oh, yeah. I think we're going to get to that pretty soon. It's in... um, Smells a Rat or something? Yeah, it's in that one. I think we're going to get to that one pretty soon. Okay. Okay, so when I first saw this cover, as I was about to... Because y'all know that I'm reading on the same pace as the thing, the book club. Same here. Yeah. So when I saw this cover, I was like, hell yeah, this is my shit. Yeah. Ancient wizard at the end of time (laughs) at the end of reality right you know destiny wizard fucking dig this cover a lot yeah i believe this cover is by lawrence campbell right very very fucking cool it's excellent i like it so much you ever like something so much that you wish you did it like it's so good right yeah because there's a japanese theme like that's what that red circle is kind of and it's kind of worked in there okay. too you know I mean, the what colors I mean? are really uh-huh. good but yeah, i mean so I it's that was interesting dave stewart so they're always exceptional oh yeah there's no it kind of goes without saying but i feel like i have to say it anyway just out of respect yeah and i love this guy's art style too joe Querio. it's kind of like it almost reminds me of guy davis but then it kind of reminds me of james heron a little bit it's just got um i was gonna say the art in these issues are so i i really dug this on a personal level this is my kind of shit yeah we open in saitama japan which is a real city and we get to see the other side of that scene that we saw last week in The Devil's Wings with Johan. And this querial art is so great. And the scene plays yeah. out just like we saw there. Yeah. I love Johan again with the little headpiece that we were laughing about last week. That's, That's so good. great. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the reading order. Yeah. 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 Mark Tweedo. Right. Mark Tweedo. Yeah. It's the perfect place to drop this in. Yeah. And so when we saw it in the Devil's Wings, then the feed cut out when all the power went out. And then so on this side, when they lose the feed, this red Ogdruhem that was behind Johan comes alive. Starts ronking around. We cut over to Enos. He's mowing down hammerheads with the assistance of some other BPRD agents, Hashimoto and Sansom. And they, they call for Enos to take it easy. They're short on ammo. Yeah, and I love these action scenes. They're so great. You know, the way that Dave Stewart colors all the, like, yeah. gunfire and all that stuff. It's just... Yeah. Um, of course, just... The, the line work is, is very yeah. deftly action-y. Yeah. I don't really know how to describe that, but it's... That's that kind of James Heron almost feel. Almost. Maybe with, but with less lines, I yeah. guess. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's yeah, definitely this artist. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's it's, a good way to put it. It's this artist's own style, but it's just as masterful yes. as what we're used to. So it's it definitely it, doesn't take us out of the story in any way. It's, yeah, it uh, really fits right yeah. in. Kind of reminds me of the art a little bit in um, Ghost in the Shell. Okay. When okay. the action scenes are laid out kind of similar. You know, 
Yeah, it does have kind of an anime feel or like a manga feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. I like the pacing on this second page. Like we're dropped right into the action. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But like the angles and the pacing, the way they go from head on shot of Enos. Now you're above the Humvee and then you're looking in the driver's side window and you can see those shells falling. Right. It's very how many cameras are on this. Right. Right. can I say Fire also four. that I have such a low tolerance for this type of shit? My eyes just glaze over. I will just turn the page. Like, I can't. The fact that this was able to hold my little sure. baby toddler attention <laughs> throughout every page <laughs> is really something I think. I don't know what it says. Probably more about me than the artist. When they tell Enos that they're short on ammo, he says, going to be a lot shorter on life if you don't stop driving up streets full of monsters. Nice comeback. On top of all this, Enos <laughs> thinks that, that there's an earthquake, but they're actually right under that Ogdraham that came alive behind Johan. Yeah. And so there's great scale on this page. So that thing that came alive behind Johan, like they're right under it too as this happens. Yeah, the perspective on that is is chef's kiss. And then you turn the page and that you get such a sense of movement and there's so yeah, much going on that true, yeah. it could easily be too busy, but it's really not. And it's, yeah. I'm impressed with how... I wasn't tempted into turning the page. I actually looked at this for a sure. while. So. It seems like they're out there in the Jeep looking for a specific location. How could we ever find the address where there aren't any buildings standing, Sansom asks. And they crash into one of the legs of this Ogdraham. And so that's really messed up, too. It's so big, you don't even see it. And so this, the leg just comes down. Well, it's just walking. Right. Yeah. And so you can see in the, in the next couple of panels here, it lifts the leg to take sure, another yeah. step. Yeah. yeah. So it's just taking steps. But like, you know, so to it, it's just like... Dum, dum, dum. And then to this <laughs> car, it's like life-altering. Sure. And so they have to get out and start walking. And we can see that Sansom is pretty injured. So this little guy pops out of the manhole. Yeah, like, what is this? Right. And he's got an eye patch. He introduces himself as Dr. Atama. Come. Awesome. You'll be safe below, yeah. he says. I'm immediately like, yes. Where are we going? So they start descending down these large staircases. As they talk, they realize that this is the address of the guy they were looking for. Echo Quantum Systems. The address we gave you was our business office, which don't exist anymore, Atama says. A shockwave from the monster walking above sends all this debris falling on them as they go further down the staircase. And so then they retreat into this tunnel. He's saying that it uh, this facility meets like earthquake safety standards. Right, yeah. Heavily fortified. So, you know, kind of letting the reader know, okay, we can kind of put that out of our mind and focus on sure. the scene at hand. <laughs> now we're getting into something even stranger, even weirder here. And so we go into the lab and we meet more doctors, Dr. Miwa and Shanji. And as they talk, we learn that Hashimoto, who's this other agent, is there to act as translator. And Sansom doesn't know why they're there. He thinks they have something that will help them kill the monsters. Thomas says they were more interested in an exchange of ideas. Now, of course, there's more urgency to our movements. And we reveal... There's the, a wizard. What is this? It's so, so weird, hard to describe. Obviously, it's the same image that's on the cover, but so there's this giant portal in the back with all this like nice, red nice. into this red energy light awesome. or whatever. And then there's this old man sitting on this chair and around him is just like all this paper. We can kind of see that there's monitoring equipment and there's like stuff for like him to go to the bathroom and not have to move and stuff like that. Yeah, I was going to bring that up if right. you didn't. And then he's like... It's um, like they better be taking good care of this man. Like, right. And it seems like they're not because then later we see his fingernails are super long. Like, cut this man's nails. Oh, well, yeah. Right here you maybe can see like keep, his... Maybe he, they can't because his hand keeps moving too oh, fast. Oh, they can, right. Yeah, they don't want to hurt him. We can see that he's writing. So we get the sense here that he's just writing and tons of these papers. That's constantly what he's doing. So you're just like, what the hell is going on here? Like, can you give this man a haircut? Like, cut his nails. It was so mean. <laughs> Maybe that's actually his style. Maybe he likes the Maybe long hair. Maybe he hair. Takes it. Okay. <laughs> well, he's all you know. like, he's like, look, 
I'm working on my uh, metal album cover look. <laughs> I have no time for this old school grooming hipster. bullshit. I, I prefer to look like, what's his name, who did the airplanes in the movies? What is that guy's name? Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. He's got a... <laughs> He's got kind of a he's got kind of a Howard Hughes look going on here. Yeah. So you know, maybe it's a he's got some anxiety around sure. grooming. We'll move on. What in burning hell is going on in this place, Sansom asks. Atama explains that in nineteen seventy nine the Echo Quantum Systems were doing some weird experiments outside jurisdiction. Tight. The national diet was never informed of our progress. If we were ever caught they were to have plausible deniability because what they were doing was very, very dangerous. I learned the origin and meaning of that phrase from Independence Day ah. as a child. <laughs> <laughs> and so they were testing Professor Kukyo's controversial condensed energy system equation nice. that suggested parallel reality accessibility was feasible. And so t- by testing the equation, that means they're going to send people into this portal. Awesome. <laughs> that reminds me of that thing. Hey, uh, spoilers for the movie Arrival, oh. if you haven't seen that movie, because we're going to talk about it. So I just want to throw that out there. So that, the movie oh, yeah. came out, what, five years ago? Yeah, it's been out for a while. But st- I think Statute of Limitation is like 20 years or something, so oh, five no, years no, is no. still enough. Well, we to, said something about like yeah. when there was like Buffy season six spoilers, yeah, we're like, still, I, we're, I put it in there. We're so. still in it. So oh, it's still ahead. <sighs> Arrival got kind of a bad rap. I think right, and so maybe some really? people avoided it. Did yeah. it? I don't know. I, don't know. No, maybe it, not. I think it was the past the uh, Chris Pratt, Jennifer Lawrence passenger movie that got the bad rap. Oh, oh okay. Arrival uh, got nominated for best picture. Yeah, Arrival's awesome. Oh, okay, right. I must be thinking of something else. Oh, Should sorry. Get back, Amy Adams. Let's get back rules. on it. The uh, when. Oh, uh, I yeah. know what you're talking about. You do know what I'm talking about. It's fractals and it's nice. Annihilation. Annihilation. Did you see that, Matt? Fucking awesome. I was thinking Big Hero uh, Six. Okay. I don't remember. Natalie Portman goes into this like oh yeah, the that shimmer. Was weird. Yeah. And then yeah. there's fractals. Fractal reality. That yeah. was a weird one. Toss. I, they didn't go he's... far enough with it. I wanted more. Sorry. Oh ahead. yeah, totally. <laughs> I keep cutting you off. Um, but like there were scenes in it that were like so gross. Yeah, yeah. no, so, yeah, that, and I don't like that. I don't like the gross stuff. But I feel like it. They took forever to get the, to the interesting part, and then the interesting part is fucking over. It's like a rival. It's like just show me. I just want two hours of trying to communicate with aliens. I don't care about action. Yeah. I don't care about fighting <laughs> alligators. I, like I just want I... interesting, weird, making contact with fractal aliens. That's all I care about. Anyway, sorry. Anyway. I got us off so on a what, weird... What I was going to say was, this guy is wearing one of those headdresses, like a net on his head. Yes. Just like Ponya was wearing, right? Mm. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Ponya did have one of those on. Good Back connection in, uh, there. Yeah. Reign of the Black Flame. Is that what it was? Yes. Okay, you were okay. right. I was going to say the portal reminded me of the portal in Big Hero 6. Right on. We conducted no trials. We simply gathered volunteers and we just did it. Hubris. hubris the volunteers were all outfitted with eeg headgear sound waves couldn't transmit through the portal so we couldn't maintain radio contact but basic electrical activity was another story so this is our first clue as to what is about to happen right our monitors displayed a range of evoked potential amplitudes approximating excitement bliss panic and even musical stimulation response and then we started seeing wave patterns we didn't recognize at all and then, impossibly, we started to hear the patterns. Yes. And we can see, like, their ears are bleeding yeah. as they take off their headphones. Since that moment, the word impossible has lost all meaning for me. The fact that they started to hear the patterns is such a yeah. creepy detail. Sure. And I love it. Is that the guy with the eye patch? I think so. so I yeah. think that's Atama, right? And so then something starts coming out of the portal. And it's this many-limbed lump monster. Right. And it looks like it's like an amalgamation of all the other people that went yeah. in there, right? Because are those like all the yeah. different helmets? Yeah, those are people yeah. that have been mutated into a monster. So for they're sure. just like all mashed together. Now, I don't understand why every story always goes to this. It goes straight to violence. I would, again, I would love a story where the monster's just like, hey. Right. And like just sits there and they figure out how to communicate yeah, with each other. And it's that's like a we- E.T. but then like still violence happened the government comes and it's really sad and scary like i would love a movie 
Well, not Alf, because that's fucking Sorry. horrible. There has to be something in between. Like, there has to be where this creature comes in and it's, you know, like VPRD style. They, yeah. they send out somebody to come right, try and talk right. to them. Anyway, but yeah, it's instant violence. Everyone was killed. Yeah. In a few seconds, everyone's dead. And it's like, all right. The I, arrival. I the arrival, arrival got pretty close to that. Yeah. yeah, but then the alien died and it was sad and then every they're like, We're uh, leaving because humans are terrible and it's like, uh, as if I needed one casualty more when depression. you travel to another world, like that's pretty pretty minimal. No, I just yeah. feel like that didn't even need to fucking happen for y'all to get your point across. But then like the whole thing is yeah. about time is weird, which is cool and good, which I did like that. So anyway, whatever. Yeah. But arrival was it they it's the closest they've ever gotten, you're right. Anyway, the guy says that he should have died, the eye patch man, and he says, I wonder all the time what would have happened if I did, which is kind of dark, and I love it. Right, and so he gets this electrical wire, and he is able to electrocute this yeah. like, many-limbed lump monster guy. What would the creature have done had I not stopped it? Yeah. Ugh. So he's he's got a, he's, he's got a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, what else would have come through the portal if it had been left running? Right. So if he had also died and had not stopped the monster, like that would have been it, he's thinking. So the facility was dismantled. We pulled out all the equipment. We shut it down. They bricked it up. Creepy. Love it. And then so six months later, they get notification from the Nuclear Safety Commission that they're finding some unusual readings in the sewers under the lab. Well, they called it an anomaly which right. if you know anything about me i'm always <laughs> up for an anomaly so they go under there and they find the portal opened right tight, tight. and they find professor kukio there and he looks all catatonic and glassy eyed right. right well it's almost like they never actually closed a portal they just bricked it up and then you can see like the brick wall has fallen down you can, yeah because he's like sitting in a pile of rubble yes you're right they put this headgear on him just like Matt mentioned earlier, to get his EEG, but they found no brain activity at all. But once he has they, no brain. Yeah. But then Ugh. once they remove the headgear, they start getting all these readings, as if his brain was in the air itself. Eventually, <sighs> they determined that Kukio's mind existed on the other side of the portal, and they had been monitoring him for 30 years, and so he's that old dude that we saw in the chair. They've developed a rudimentary system of communication, which is pretty much putting a pencil in his hand and some paper in front of him. I always loved that vehicle for storytelling. Oh, I think yeah. The first time yeah. I saw that was in the original Omen, Gregory Peck. Oh, right. Okay. He tracks down the hospital his son was born in, finds out it was burned to the ground, but there was one survivor. I think he was a priest. And he's like catatonic, but he's writing. Oh, uh, okay. Nice. nice. Yeah, and so when he's writing, it says scritch, scritch, and that I just couldn't help but think of the frog monsters when they're carving all that oh, right. language yeah. into the sewer, and then when they're carving it in the Zinko lab and all that stuff, it always says scritch, scritch. Sansom says, that's a hell of a story, but I don't see what that has to do with the Bureau. Uh, Thomas says, things were different when they called the BPRD, and he shows them this picture of this monster that Kukyo has been drawing. Thomas says that Kukio has drawn this monster thousands of times, the same monster. At first he was writing equations, but when all the Ogdrahem came out, kicking off hell on earth, he started drawing this monster. This is like a Mike Minola sketchbook section in the back of sure. <laughs> Hellboy in Hell or something. Yeah, yeah, it does look like that. The monster's got a very Abe look to it, too. Yeah, so this monster, he's kind of like, um, what's interesting is that he doesn't look like a regular Ogdraham. He kind of is, he's got arms and legs, right? And he, he's like bipedal. He's kind of like man-shaped, even though he's a monster. I was thinking it was Abe until we got later into the story. So, Oh, okay. So just looking at this, you thought that maybe he had been drawing Abe. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. They note that it doesn't look like any of the monsters they've seen before. Precisely, Thomas says... Because, and this can be difficult to remember, his powers of perception are not here in Satima at all. They're somewhere unreachable and unknowable to us. And then just as he says that, the pencil snaps that Kukyo is writing with. Sansom says they have enough problems with monsters on this world. Suddenly, Kukyo gets up and he starts groaning and making all these sounds and they say the blood pressure is soaring on his monitor. What's going on, Enos asks. 
is this normal for him? All this, like, electricity starts spiking from the portal wall. This is not normal, Atama yells. No shit, Enos responds as they all start (laughs) running away from it. And so you can see there's, like, all this. I thought this was kind of interesting, the way they make this effect. So it's like, there's the portal... And then there's like this circle emerging from it. And then it says crack. And so you can kind of see that circle. Yeah, it's like a a hot spot. Right. Right. It's like the core or something. Yes. This portal just cracks open all this red energy blasts out through all the streets and totally destroying everything in the lab and out into the city. And it's sending this red lightning in all directions. And Johan can see it from afar with his team. There. Get me over to that place immediately, Johan says. I don't think so. You're on your own, Mr. Krauss, the agent says. <laughs> Jeez. That's a that's a great cut though. Yeah. Cutting to Johan. He's like, there. And he's speaking Japanese. Yes, that's it. amazing. Yeah. The art on this is incredible as all this energy is being released. Just really amazing work. Come back. I don't know Satima Streets, Johan says. I can't help you if you won't help me. I mean, that's just so hilarious. You know, he's just like, I need to get there. No. <laughs> Come on, guys. I don't yeah. know my way around in this place. He breaks back into English when he says, I can't help you if you won't help right, me. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, at that point, he knows they're no longer listening. Sure. There's something a little humorous about, I think, the way that Querio draws Johan gesturing and the, you know, and the way he draws the suit. I just really enjoy that character design. We cut to Enos, and he's up the street away from the blast. How'd I get up here, he says to himself. How am I even alive? And he sees one of the doctors from the lab. And so he's looking at this guy. He's like, please, my legs. And then he gets totally crushed by this giant monster foot. And then so we turn the page and we reveal just this huge giant monster. It's just enormous. That's so cool. And yeah. it, it looks more humanoid. Yeah. Bipedal. It does. Whereas right, a lot yeah. of the monsters we've been seeing are very bug-like and yes. very alien. Tentacles and a bunch of eyes and, and stuff weird like that. crab legs and no eyes. and Right. It does make this guy stand yeah. out a little bit. And we can see the two Ogdruhem on either side in the background. And that is what he was drawing, right? Yeah. So this yeah. is the one that Kukyo was drawing. At the end of that first chapter in the letter column for that issue. Oh, so that was the, this was the cut right here. Yeah, that was the cliffhanger, that big shot at the end of full major. So I always have to bring this up. (laughs) Matthias Nilsson from Sweden. This is just part of his letter. He goes, much as I like the Black Flame, after having read BPRD number 119, I now have to agree with Mr. Schrackbein. The Black Flame has to die. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So that sentiment is global. <laughs> <laughs> Starting the next issue, we cut back underground in the debris of the lab, and we see Kukyo, the old dude, and the other scientists. They try to assess the situation and their losses. As Atama is talking to Dr. Miwa, Kukyo speaks out. Hideki Atama? Is that you? So now he's like not all catatonic right. and everything. He can like talk and everything. And so outside this monster is just incredible as it tears through the streets. And it's going towards Agent Enos who's just running. Jesus right. Christ, he exclaims. That thing was just a drawing a few minutes ago. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I love that. Where is Sansom, he says. And the others. That lab. Place better have been totaled. Because if anything else comes through that portal of theirs, we are totally Agent Enos. And all of a sudden, Johan pulls up in this tank as Enos turns the corner. And he's like, holy cow. God damn, Johan. We're stuck in a Humvee and you're tooling around in a tank? (laughs) And Johan says that they just got him now from the UN. The troops finally got there. I was hoping to get a closer look at this new creature. But we should get you to safety first, Johan says. That was nice of him, right? (laughs) Right. So after New York, Johan went straight to Japan. Right. With Enos. I guess because Enos was in New York, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he was with them. Liz was resting up and her, Phoenix, and Giarraco went back to Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. And that's where they had to rescue Liz and everything, right? Rescue Kate. Or Kate, right. Yeah, right. So this is happening at that same time. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's happening. The Devil's Wings. Yeah. So that's pretty. This is intense, right? Because why would they take us to Japan? I mean, yeah, it's cool to have like the BPRD style Godzilla or Kaiju. Sure. But I also think there's something to be said for the fact that these agents just 
they don't stop. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a neat contrast in that context of going around the world, solving these, these problems and fighting these Agju Hem. In, in that context, it's funny that Enos is totally freaked out about it the whole time while Johan is like more and more intrigued. Yes. Yeah, he was the one trying think, to like learn the language right. and take pictures of all of her, everything. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's pretty funny. I also think it's interesting that they're just showing us this is worldwide and just how much it's affecting the entire world and not just you know right. whatever the places we've already seen. So it's it's everywhere. And yeah, that's, that's another thing the 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 global scale of it, the scope of it. Yeah, and they were monitoring this one guy who came back through the portal for thirty years or something. Yeah, right. and that's way before the yeah. Hem showed up. Sure. Yeah. So this is just like on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> or like, what happens when you have a brainless guy who came from another dimension 30 years ago interacting with hell on earth? Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Let's come back to that if we remember to. I always say we, let's come back to that and then we don't. <laughs> but let's, if we remember, I'd love to come back to that when we get to the end of the story. Back with Johan, they call for hatches down as this one creature approaches. And they shoot at it with a tank. Johan asks about Sansom, and Enos fills him in on all of what happened at the Echo Quantum Lab. And so they're seeing this giant monster in the background, and Enos is like, hey, where the hell is he headed? Right. <laughs> and so the monster starts walking towards the Ogdrahem. He's like charging towards it. It's so great, this bottom panel here. Back with the agents below, they're trying to escape from the lab, climbing up that giant staircase that they had to go down. Kukio spouts all this scientific jargon as they lead him up. He tells them they should be writing it down. Sansom, Sansom asks, what's he saying? Hashimoto says, I was hired to translate Japanese, not whatever language he's speaking. And Atama says it's quantum mechanics, and they should be writing it down. Who knows what he can tell us, what problems he can solve when we get out of here. I think that might be more of an if situation, Sansom says. And we see that the staircase has like collapsed into the wall, so there's no way out. And they look up, and they see Enos there, looking down at them, down this shaft. Sansom, Oscar, that you? And so we cut to them being pulled up, and um, I guess he went back looking for that lab. And so they're all being pulled up through this system. Enos is glad to see that Kukyo is cognizant again. Guess that's one good thing to come from all this. And then Kukyo immediately starts yelling out all crazy again. And we cut to the monster and it's yelling out too. It's like roaring and it's just like slashing at the Ogdrahem. Atama recognizes it as the monster that Kukyo was drawing. He can't believe it. But it seems like Enos is getting used to this stuff, right? Because he's like... yeah. I guess he was real. He is real here and now. I want to know what caused Enos to join the BPRD. Yeah, he's an interesting character, right? <laughs> yeah, I he like seems him. like he's always full of angst, right? Yeah, he is one of those guys for sure. And so we have this double splash page. This action is just incredible. It's yeah. amazing as these two monsters are fighting. The shapes are so visually descriptive. Like, of yeah. the action, it's, it's so, the movement is so on point. It is. It's very fluid. Yeah. I love this little yeah. beat as, like, the Ogdrahem shoots these, like, quills at the monster and he, like, blocks him with his arm. And then he just tackles the Ogdrahem. I love that panel. It's so yeah. incredible. The bipedal monster chomps down on the Ogdrahem, and Enos exclaims, Yes, eat that son of a... Enos! Sansom cuts him off. (laughs) (laughs) Are you cheering for that thing, Atama asks? I have to say, it does seem inappropriate, Johan says. Atama says, the hero creature is just as dangerous as the other. Probably, sure, of course it is, Enos says. But right now, we got three of the bastards, right? And if he kills one, we're down to two. To me, seems like that's better for everybody. And then there's a beat where Sansom <laughs> and Johan just like look at each other and they're like, actually, that does make some sense. It's good. <laughs> they, they've clearly never seen a Godzilla movie. Right. <laughs> it's really good to have just a, a moment of levity, a little bright beat yeah, here. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I think some stories for me can get so draggy and heavy and bogged down and all the drama that it's it's i really do prefer to have a little quip here and there yeah um, and i just love this page too because we have that humorous beat and then right underneath it this huge this other Ogdrahem like comes like it's almost like setting the stage it's for so it like good. and our next contender boom 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 <laughs> here comes this thing 
And then so this page where they're just kind of squaring off. Oh, it's so good. It's so awesome. It's really great. And you can see like he's just coming up from the guts of the other Ogdraham that he just destroyed. And, and so, the, uh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to talk about the composition of oh, yeah. the page like yeah. as a piece. It's The use of like good. perspective. Yeah. Well, it's just, I mean, the use of composition in general, like it's the way where your eye is drawn and how it's mm-hmm. is yeah. a well-balanced page. Yeah, you de- this is definitely one that you want to bust out your back issue for. Um, yeah, just some great action here as the bipedal monster charges at the Ogdraham. You know, it gets hit with one of these tentacles and it goes down and then Enos is like, damn. Sansom is like, wait, hold on. What difference does it make which one gets killed? Either way, we're down to one. Yeah, I guess, Enos says. But the gray guy, at least he has a face. <laughs> well, this is this is going back to that Godzilla theory of like yeah. this guy is prepped to cheer for this right, monster. Yes. But, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's uh, I don't know. Are they taking? Are they trying to take advantage in, in the story of the uh, tradition, like the Japanese tradition? I think in so. The past kind of. I a, think totally so. Sort of yeah. A, I wonder yeah, if sci-fi even sci-fi monster story. Yeah. Story. And I even think maybe Joe Querio is probably, maybe sure. he's part of that too. They're like, we're going to get this special artist to do this. Because yeah. he definitely has a way of right. of doing this kind of art. Just like Aubrey said, kind of compared it to anime earlier. Yep. And Johan says that they shouldn't be standing around. They need to get the civilians far away. And so we see them, they're putting Dr. Kukyo in the lab, right? Or something? Where are they putting him? They're putting him away. And we can see the Ogdrahem is totally on top of the bipedal monster. And it's like positioning like it's, you know, it's going to shoot all this, um, the gas or whatever. I totally thought he like, you know, teabagged and farted. He does look like, (laughs) that's it. That's it. That is essentially what he's doing. Sorry to revert to a 12 year old. My bad. I just couldn't help it. And so here's where we start to get like this. It's kind of flashing back and forth between the bipedal monster who's getting consumed by this breath of change. And then Dr. Kukyo, who's kind of, it's cutting back and forth between the two of them. So it's almost like trying to show us that there's a link between them or something. And so as the monster starts to kind of like come back alive, Dr. Kukyo starts to come back alive. He's like, no, no. And they're like, Professor, it's all right. We're taking you somewhere safe. The Ogdrahem, you know, subdues the bipedal monster. It leaves it there. And Dr. Kukyo is like, this isn't right. They're like, take it easy, Professor. You're not careful, you might get hurt. And so just then, the bipedal monster, like, grabs the Ogdrahem, grabs one of its, like, little legs. And at the same time, Kukyo, he slashes at... That's Hashimoto, I yeah, think. this is messed up. Back with the monster, the monster starts to come alive, and it starts crawling all over the Ogdrahem again. And so we see Dr. Kukyo... Oh, he was in the tank. And so he climbs out of the top of the tank, and he's spouting all this quantum mechanics jargon again. And he starts talking about an unbound system, unbound. So I don't know anything about this. This is from Quantum Mechanics for Dummies. Quantum, mechanically speaking, there are two possible states that a particle with energy E can take in the potential given by the figure, bound and unbound. Bound states happen when the particle isn't free to travel to infinity. It's as simple as that. In other words... The particle is confined to the potential well. So if a bound state means that a particle can't travel to infinity, does unbound mean that it can then travel to infinity? I don't know. Most likely. Sure. (laughs) And so as uh, Dr. Kukio is saying this, he kind of like falls out of the tank and then we see the bipedal monster has the Ogdrum. It's picking him up off the ground to do like this suplex thing or like throw him to the ground yeah. or something. I love this. It is so great. And then so he kind of like rallies, right? And he gets on top of it and just starts smashing it with his fists and just starts like really just uh, destroying this thing. We see Dr. Kukio crawling on the ground and he's like a little bit away from the tank. So he's moved a little bit and he just keeps saying unbound. As the monster is just totally destroying this thing at this bottom panel. Krolsch. <laughs> is that the... Sounds good. Krolsch. Yeah, yeah wait, that wait. is so great. And so, you know, that's the that's the final blow. Finally destroying this Ogdrahem. And so then the bipedal one, it like stands up and it roars. And there's like this great panel of just like the victorious, you know, monster or whatever. Um, it's very kind of like Godzilla-esque. And then it just falls down to the ground dead. Did what he 
came here to do. Right. And then Dr. Kukyo is also dead at the same time. And they're like, he's gone. Now let's come back to that thing. See, yay, now we're coming back to it. So, you know, Dr. Kukio is down there, and he's, like, writing all this stuff, and does he know that hell on earth is happening? I don't know. He might. I mean, it, it seemed, they said that his consciousness was still over there. Right. Right? And he started drawing this monster, and then this monster showed up. I feel like his consciousness was probably in that monster somehow. And oh, okay. Right. With the, said- monst- with the monster on this side... We were able to get some words back to Kukio because we be able to share consciousness or something like that. Right, right. That totally makes sense. So maybe he he gathered some sort of energy or material to create this bipedal monster because it's you know it's what he knows. He right. is bipedal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They did make that distinction of he didn't start drawing it until Hell on Earth happened. Yeah, and so I wanted. I was making me think like, did Kukio somehow summon this thing, or he somehow like. Or maybe, but I think you're saying he was it. Yeah. It was his con- and I think that makes more sense. Yeah. What What do you think, yeah, Matt? What's your thinking on that? The Agdru Hem came alive or active when, or, well, okay, so Liz set the underworld on fire. In right? King of Fear, right. Yeah. And that's where they came above ground. And then it was the Black Flame that gave them movement, right? He triggered them to yeah. go into action. Oh, you're right. right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that was, like, I agree with everything Aubrey just said, but I think, like, the final spark, whatever affected the Agdru Hem also affected this guy. And after 30 years of conceiving the monster, he was finally given, like, and, you know, it it might not have any quantum mechanics to it. Right. might just be strictly the supernatural aspects of the Black Flame coming back to Earth. That gave him the um, the ability, the ability to... to bring that thing into into real life. Right. Wow. Yeah, I love that. Great. And so we cut to the aftermath of everything we see. Like, I guess that's the debris of one of these monsters or whatever. As it was after that's it was like monsters. smashed to bits. Well, I think that's the uh, the bipedal monster. Oh, okay. I think it's bipedal. Here come the jets. Probably napalm. Here come Eno's, the warm jets. Eno says. Maybe an herbicide dump on all that stuff growing from our champ there. Get it? Because his name is Enos. Eno? Brian Eno? Here come the warm jets. Anyway. <laughs> Nobody cares <laughs> for my amazing quips. It's funny, isn't it, Johan asks, how we attach to him as if we were fighting our fight. We can't hurt those massive creatures ourselves, but then he or it comes along, Johan says. He gave us some hope, I suppose. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Can't go wrong with that, Eno says. Just make sure you know who your enemies are. The end. Dun, dun. So yeah, he never takes off those sunglasses either. Oh yeah, you're right. He doesn't. He also Nothing has all the like random like anime bandages. Sure, on yeah. The face, which I love. <laughs> so I mean, when I was reading the story, I, I kept forgetting I was reading a BPRD story until Johan would pop back up. Right. Yeah. And I was just like, oh right, this is BPRD. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's you know because of the whole japanese kaiju monster fight kind of thing it's just you know it it was cool i mean it was you know it was just fun to see this kind of like different but yet same kind of story yeah yeah it was really cool yeah how can you talk about monsters all the time without doing like a traditional monster showdown like that oh yeah so but one thing i thought was weird here is i guess like johan and enos they don't realize that it was kukyo they're not catching the connection it that seems like seems nobody. It seems like nobody me. is oh. picking up on that, because they're like, "Oh, isn't it funny how we attach him as if he was fighting our fight?" Well, yeah, he was one of he was one of the guys on your team. It right? just seems like they would be more perceptive by now to that type of shit. Like, are we really supposed to believe that they're that fucking obtuse? I don't know. I mean, they didn't. Yes, yes, we are. I, I think <laughs> that uh, there's just so much going on. We're the only ones seeing everything, okay? The scientists are seeing part of it, and they they just see this crazy old man slashing at people with his long, crazy nails and crawling around in the dirt. You know what I mean? They don't see... So so they don't get to see the whole the whole picture like we Nobody do. Nobody has seen it. Only we are, exactly. You're exactly yeah. right. So, yeah. Oh, I thought that was funny. kind of interesting. I want to look at 377 in the sketchbook really quick. I think there's only one page here. Lawrence Campbell writes, The story is set in Japan. I wanted to capture this, but in a subtle way. The thought of a red disc similar to what's used on the Japanese flag came pretty quickly. It's a great graphic image. 
John had always given an excellent description of the old guy in the chair with drawings all around him and the gateway behind him. It took some time to connect the gateway to the shape of the red disc, but once I did, it flowed very quickly from there. Add Kirby Crackle, and I was happy. Nice. He said, for the cover of 123, I wanted to give a nod to Godzilla and Kaiju. We were going to go with version D. Oh, so you'd really have to be looking at this. But he says Ryan Sook actually came up with this amazing image for the cover. And so then Dark Horse went another direction, and then they were able to use Ryan Sook's image for this. So initially, it didn't have Johan in it. There was somebody else in that spotlight, I think, when Ryan Sook designed it. And then so they just adapted it to this story, which I thought was really cool because they're all working together. You know what I mean? Ryan's looks like you can use this design that I made. Yeah, that's awesome. Like Nothing's they're, they're, wasted. Yeah. yeah. They're more invested in telling a good story than who owns the rights to what thing. Sure. Which I love. But not that artists shouldn't be invested in protecting their personal rights and things. I'm not saying that people who do that are bad. I'm just saying I think it's interesting that they work together on that. And I appreciate any type of sacrifices that might have been made during that process. Sure. Not that you should feel compelled to do that. (laughs) Anything else left to say on um, The Broken Equation? It was awesome. It was great. Yeah, I love this kind of like throwback kind of kaiju Godzilla story. Yeah, and so a little shorter of an episode this week and next week as well, and then we'll be back on track. But you're going to get an episode every week, and you're going to love it. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody, share us your thoughts on BPRD, Hell on Earth, The Broken Equation. You can send us to guys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find the Discord link in the reading list in our Facebook About section. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Garterharn for the amu- the amazing music that he provided for us. A thanks to uh, Mark Trudell for helping John out with the reading order. Thanks to John for everything he does. Yes. All the magic he works and makes us sound <laughs> badass. Also, be sure to check out Mike Mignola's art group on Facebook, you know, for all the beautiful artwork you get to see there. Plus, uh, there's going to be a contest coming up soon. Yeah. So, you can uh, find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week, we are reading Abe Sapien, Dark and Terrible, The Garden 2, and BPRD, Hell on Earth, The Grind. So, you know what to do. Pull out those back issues. Pull out those trades. Get the digitals. Do some magic. Conjure them up, like from a parallel universe, <laughs> and see if there's any different, like, you know, spoilers. Uh, not spoilers. Uh, alternate endings. There you and go. Uh, share those. And alternate join us. covers, yeah. Yes. And join us on the next week for the Hellboy Book Club Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. And I'm Daniel. And I'm Matt Strackbine. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, you said we'd be safe. <laughs> 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 Ha <laughs> ha